It's Birchwood Chevrolet Buick GMC Game Day on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show on the official home of the Winnipeg Jets. TSN 1290. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show and continuing coverage of NHL Trade Deadline Day on TSN 1290 and for those listening online at tsn1290.ca. Joined in studio by my colleague Richard Paul, and we will in a few short hours learn which general manager has been an artist on trade deadline day, which general manager was incredibly close to making an extremely loud move, and which general manager treated trade deadline day with all the importance of a midnight in Paris. I've been watching too much of the Oscars, Drew. In a few short hours, we will find out conclusively if any teams were able to hit the money ball in an acquisition, thus allowing their squad to grab onto a branch from the tree of life. We will find out if Hugo Carpentier, a prospect of the Calgary Flames, gets dealt, or if any familial descendants with a rich NHL lineage will be on the move. Joining us throughout this a- the afternoon to provide us with help in breaking down the deals will be former NHL head coach Scott Arneal and the man you will hear from often on the Tim Hortons trade desk, the war horse of trade deadline day, Rick Ralph. Richard, good afternoon. I wouldn't trade that intro for anything, Drew. <laughs> I worked on that. You know how many hours I worked yeah, on that for? I, I don't want to know. <laughs> exactly. It would be depressing for everybody. Anyways, good afternoon, Richard. Good to see you. As always, welcome to the program. Trade deadline day. Jets have already started things off, not by making a trade, but by acquiring Grant Klitsum. We should start with that. Uh, first of all, your knowledge of Klitsum, you know, what, do you see, what do you see in that move that uh, jumps out to you as why you know, Kevin Sheveldayoff would, uh, would be interested in a guy like Klitsum? Well, Scott's knowledge would be better than mine about that. We should have him on to speak about it in a second. One thing about it in terms of defensemen, the rumors are that Johnny Oduya is likely on his way out, maybe Randy Jones, maybe somebody else, and if that's the case... Maybe even Ron Hainsey. And if that's the case, then they have to fill spots. And people, you never want too many defensemen. Grant Klitsum is a left-handed shooting defenseman. He moves the puck well. You know, not the tallest guy, but built, you know, bigger, you know, built uh, tough. And he can move the puck out of his own zone. He does a lot of what Johnny Oduya does. Not, the, not completely similar, but he does a lot of what Johnny Oduya does at less than half the price. Sure. And if you're the Winnipeg Jets and you're not going to be spending up to the cap, then you have to be able to fill those five, six, although Odia's kind of playing a three, four role, but, you know, four the highest. And if you can fill the five, six spot with a guy like um, Klitsum, and maybe throw Stewart up into the four, whatever it may be, uh, maybe offense, defense kind of combinations, and then you can fill that spot for about $2 million less, and you, it's a job well done. Is it just, is it just allows for flexibility with a minimal risk and minimal uh, cap hit? Well, Randy's a puck mover, right? So, like, jo- Randy Jones you have out there is a seven yeah. right now. With Bogosian out, we might be back tonight. But Bogosian out, Randy Jones isn't a puck mover, right? You know, and and so what you have there is you replace him with a guy who can play some power play, can move the puck out of his own zone, and if that's the case, then you can get him for essentially for free aside from his salary. It's not something that you want to pass up on, and it allows you more flexibility today. I, I think it's almost assuredly now that a defenseman, one if not two, will be dealt. Sure. Because, I mean, you still have Mark Flood who hasn't played. I mean, he's only played one game in the last 15 yeah. sitting there up in the press box night in, night out. And they didn't put him in a top six role. I mean, they brought him in as a seventh defenseman on an 11 forward night. Right. It just, I mean, it, for, for no risk and, and minimal cap hit, it allows, uh, allows the Jets a lot of flexibility going forward. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the, the latest deal. You just heard about it from Rick Ralph. That is Minnesota sending Nick Schultz to the Edmonton Oilers for Tom Gilbert. Totally different defenseman, Drew. Uh, you have Nick Schultz as a stay-at-home guy, block shots, physical 
you know, a completely different. Tom Gilbert's not the most physical. Um, one of the best shot moves the puck pretty well, can skate pretty well. So completely opposite defenseman here. Defenseman here, and you're you know filling a, a need in Minnesota. You get rid of Zidlicki, right-handed shooting offensive defenseman. You replace him with Gilbert, right-handed shooting offensive defenseman. Um, I believe Gilbert went to Wisconsin, so I'm not sure if he's a Wisconsin boy or a Minnesota boy, but it'll be closer to home. Um, in Edmonton, you are getting rid of a you know a guy who can move the puck, and you're filling in with a more of a stay-at-home guy. Um, don't love the move. I, I like Nick Schultz. I don't love the move for the Oilers. Guys who can move the puck and uh, that well, like Gilbert, or don't come around very often. And, well, especially because I mean, cause, I mean the, the buzzwords in the NHL are, as of late are you know uh, puck movers yeah. and, and guys who can, and guys who can skate. When you're talking about yeah. defensemen, and, and you, you need both. But I guess the issue is Ryan Whitney is yeah. always kind of sketchy with that ankle there. And Cam Barker just can't skate well enough to, and he's poor defensively. So I mean, your puck moving guys in Edmonton, you know, aren't a plenty. And then you're getting rid of a guy. It just, I'm not so sure, especially with the speed they have up front. You're, you know, you see with Ottawa for so long, they, before Carlson, before some of these guys, um, you know, signed Gontra, they had such a trouble of getting the puck out of their own zone to their forwards who could do something with it. Sure. And you don't want to become an Edmonton. You don't want to become a team that has trouble getting the puck up to these forwards like Hall, Eberle, Nugent Hopkins, who, name a couple. Who we'll see tonight. I mean, talented yeah. forward group, but if they can't get the puck out of their own zone and you can't put it on their stick, then they're, they're, you know, effect, they're very much uh, their effectiveness is minimalized to a great degree. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. I mean, another one of those moves, I mean, you're not, you're not a huge fan of, uh, of uh, Steve Tambellini to begin with. No. And another move that sort of leaves you scratching your head as to the logic behind yeah. it. Don't get me wrong, I like Nick Schultz, and he brings a, a nice element there, but I just think that when you have a guy like Tom Gilbert, I think he has a little more value. Good to know. Mike Commodore? I mean, that's just them clearing a roster spot for a seventh, conditional seventh-round pick. Seventh-round picks, I mean, you always want to pick because you can turn two sevens into a six or whatever it may be, but seventh-round picks in the way guys are signing unrestricted, you know, call, unsigned, call, undrafted college free agents, excuse me, that's Iserman Holland doing a little thing to get, I think, uh, Holland's more roster, uh, roster room. Flexibility. Mike, Mike Commodore is a former UND guy. Um, Stay-at-home guy, uh, not the most fleet of foot. Best um, days are certainly behind him. I mean, people yeah, remember I mean, he, him from, uh, was it Carolina where he had a cup run? In Calgary and Carolina, both, I think, actually, was when he had a cup run. Calgary, the finals in 04, and I think Carolina, the finals, they won in 06, I believe it was. And I believe Scott coached him as well. Maybe we get Scott on later on to, to yeah. talk about So far... You know, half the players traded Scott's coach, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a good thing you're here, Scott. We'll get you on in, a, in maybe next segment. We'll chat about that. Uh, you can give us some insight, uh, really n- know him better than anybody else. Yeah, and, and you know what, Drew? I mean, overall, there's been three trades today. Well, I guess we want to talk about Kostitsin? Yeah, let's talk about Kostitsin, because it was on our program on Saturday a couple weeks ago where our colleague, Ezra Ginsburg. The visionary. The visionary, exactly, who's not here at the moment. But he, he mentioned that he thought that Kostitsin going to Nashville, get reunited with his brother, was a logical move that you could see occurring. Well, Nashville needs offense. We know that. They couldn't score. They, I mean, they're really good defensively. Now they've added Hal Gill to help the penalty kill and help defensively. They have great goaltending. Uh, they have a hardworking bunch up front. They needed some skill. And last year you saw against Vancouver, so, you know, they had trouble putting the puck in the net. Um, they can, you know, they want to get out of the second round this year, obviously. That's their goal, and they want to go further. Now, you get a guy like Andre Kostitsin who has a lot of talent, um, you have him under a, you know, you know, you know that Barry Trotz has been able to kind of get his brother uh, going, Sergei Kostitsin. Obviously, they played together in Hamilton and then played together uh, in Montreal, the Kostitsin brothers. So you're adding an offensive player with some potential upside uh, for a second-round pick. I see the Habs want to get rid of him because he's a pending UFA. Hasn't really worked out there at all. Look, they got that second rounder for him. I mean, you yeah. know, and it's next year, and th- this year's drafts I think more, a little more top-heavy. Yeah. Maybe next year. Uh, 
they'll get a little bit more value out of that. Who knows? But you have to, uh, you know, they were Scott and, and Jay and Troy were talking about on the way here. They're like Ottawa, you know, get rid of all these guys, get draft picks. You know they're on their way out. There's no reason yeah. to hold on to them. You can get them for a second-round pick. I think you're doing pretty well there. And in fact, yeah. that's a bit of a high I, price to pay, I thought. I like it for both teams. I mean, Nashville's getting a skilled player. I mean, there's not that many skilled offensive players available for a second-round pick. Maybe Kostitsin has, you know, he's shown potential. I mean, you're talking a couple of years ago, he was probably at his peak playing as well as he had. Um, but a guy who can really stick handle well. And you know, these guys are built. These kind of low to the, low to, you know, slow center of gravity guys. But... It's not. You put him with uh, his brother. You put him on another line there. In reality, I know they've been playing some guys a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit over their heads. I think in terms of offensive roles, well, let me ask Bork this, and such. Let me ask you this question: Does this increase? Does this is, does this move move Nashville up an echelon in the Western Conference? An echelon. I don't know about an echelon, but it moves them up a bit. So, but are they, st- are they still? Is there any? They move still that, want one more forward. And is there really any move? Be, you know, besides, you know, is there really any move Nashville can make to put them on the same level as Detroit and Vancouver? No, but I think you add two forwards. They've added one. You add two forwards, and you can certainly... They could have beat them last year. I mean, you add two forwards, you can beat them. You can beat them. So, I you, mean, so you, you wouldn't be surprised to see them making another move in the next, oh yeah, no, uh, for sure. in for the sure. next two hours. And I love what Nashville does with David Poyle, right, and Fenton. They allow them to make a little bit of a run here, but they give them the security of the long-term deal. Sure. So you're not, you know, you're not undercutting your GM. You're not putting that much pre- you know, you're putting pressure on them, but you say, hey, I have faith in you. I'm going to give you a long-term deal. Trade some of the picks that you have to now. Make a little run. See if we can keep Suter. See if we can keep Weber. But it's not, a, pa- not, it's not a panic deal because their job doesn't depend on that's it. That's exactly right. Well, that's good to know. Hopefully more trades coming in. You'll hear from Rick Ralph when, when those happen. Tim Horton's trade desk coming up at some point in the next uh, few minutes. Much more to come. You're listening to special trade deadline coverage with the Illegal Curve Hockey Show live on TSN 1290. Welcome back to the special edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. NHL trade deadline day here on TSN 1290. I'm Drew Mandel, joined in studio by Richard Pollock. I'm pleased to be joined by Scott Arneal. Scott, we were talking about, we saw this deal go down between Nick Schultz and Tom Gilbert, the Wild and the Oilers, and uh, Twitter is blowing up with a lot of commentary about how shocked the Wild dressing room is as a result of this move. You know, Take us inside a dressing room. How does a coach sort of get a team's head back on straight when a guy has been moved uh, that sort of a key component comes as a shock to everybody? Yeah, obviously Nick Schultz, he's been there, you know, one of the originals, mm-hmm. I believe, right from the beginning. So um, you know, almost have to wait until everything's done because Minnesota may make some other moves, but you do have to dress the team. You obviously have to come in and hopefully, uh, you know, you have to tell the players that, you know, you're looking the reason, maybe the reasons why you did it as an organization and, um, you know, that, uh, you know, you, you're you trying to improve for today and tomorrow and then next year. So um, you, you have to get them, you know, give them somewhat of a reason. Sometimes what happens is uh, the, the GM or coach, they actually talk to uh, some of the leaders, the captains, and they tell them prior to. Now, Schultz was one of those guys, but yeah. they kind of talk to them maybe after the deal's done and you try to get those guys to help push that for you that helped uh, pass that message along so that you don't have a disgruntled group. We heard Coach Noel talking in his press conference about how he, he's sort of in, in touch with, with uh, Kevin Shoveldayoff, but not a lot. You know, how does a head coach sort of deal with the, you know, it's, you're, you have to coach the guys you're given, but, you know, if a head coach disagrees with a move, you know, and we don't know, you know, in, in this case whatsoever if the, that was a situation, but how does a head coach sort of take away their own emotions from it if they don't understand the deal also? Yeah, I don't think there's any GMs out there that wouldn't, uh, that would make a move without talking to their head coach uh, at the end of the day. I think those, that used to happen back a few years, uh, maybe 10, 15 years ago, uh, but I think now that uh, in, in this day and age that there's such communication between the GM and coach, you, you make sure you pass that on because if you don't, if there's a player you're making a trade for and you 
you don't like the guy as a coach, it's going to reflect very quickly, and then it's going to make the GM look bad. So um, you do try to make sure that uh, you have lots of lingo. I know it's different from Claude today because they play today. Sure. Most of the times, I, if not, if it was an off day, I'm sure Claude would be sitting right in there and having an opinion, and, and you know, Claude likes to have an opinion, so it would be, <laughs> be a good situation. <laughs> about, about the trade, Oilers are in town, Scott. What, did, what do you think of, uh, what do you make of the Nick Schultz for Tom Gilbert deal? Well, you know what, I, I know Gilbert. He's a, you know, he's a good offensive defenseman. He can really shoot the puck. Uh, he's a power play guy. Um, it's probably with Minnesota losing Zidlecki, that's why they went out and got that kind of player. Um, Schultz, uh, you know, he's a good, solid NHL player. He's been around a long time, very steady. Um, you know, more of a meat and potato kind of guy. He makes a good first pass, but he's a defensive guy. And uh, uh, maybe, uh, I'm not sure where Edmonton's going with with their you know situation but they feel that they need uh, some more of those kind of players with experience and i think that you know everybody knows that the one area that they do need to improve is on their back end and yeah. maybe bringing in an experienced guy helps them a little bit that way and we had we were speaking earlier about um mike commodore's is being traded to tampa bay who we saw here on i think it was on tuesday uh, or thursday excuse me uh, from the red wings for a conditional seven so not not for too much in terms of his skill set mike commodore what does he bring to the table uh big body defenseman uh he's going to play you know going to play a physical game uh doesn't have the best feet uh you know but he's a you know he's a guy that's going to uh you know have size around the net on the back end uh you know i think that you know again the trickle down effect they lost cabina yeah. um you know so that kind of comes in he becomes a penalty killer plays there that situation might be in a holding pattern to be moving something out maybe sure. he's doing a favor for detroit to give them some space to do something but um, you know he's won he's won the Stanley Cup he's been to the finals I think it's uh, three times so um, you know what he uh, he's a guy that uh, you know can I'm not sure Tampa Bay's rate you know obviously they're they're not sure if they're sellers or buyers yeah. they're trying to just make sure that they patchwork their their lineup back well, I think you know with, with Commodore especially given what we've seen of Tampa the last two games here in Winnipeg where they were I mean it was four nothing before you knew it and then eight one against Pittsburgh on on Saturday it was obvious that you know they weren't fielding a, an NHL lineup and you know maybe Commodore you know, for the cost of a conditional seventh yeah. round pick, which is nothing, you know, maybe they, they bring him in sort of just to be a NHL sort of a capable body. We also don't know what the condition is. I mean, it, true enough, but it can't be much of a condition. I mean, yeah. it's a condition that when can't it's be reached. a seventh. Yeah, it's yeah. not. Yeah, it's not exactly. Um, totally off topic from the NHL trade deadline day, but this news release just coming over the wire. The Blue Bombers have confirmed that they will be playing their preseason game at Canadian Stadium. Plans are still in place to hopefully open the new investors group field on July 26th. But that is dependent on a milestone, uh, a benchmark being met in early May. So officially, the Winnipeg Bombers, Blue Bombers, will be playing their exhibition game at Canadian Stadium on June 20th. Is there any truth to the rumor that the Jets are playing the first playoff game at the arena? At the old Winnipeg Arena? <laughs> well, nothing's been built there yet, so sure, why not? I wanted to also ask Scott about... Um, Grant Clitsum, so we spoke about it before. Yeah. Um, you would know him as, as well as uh, better than anybody, really. Um, what does he bring to the table for the Jets and, uh, you know, talent-wise, and, and what, are, what should fans look for? Yeah, you know what, real solid defenseman. Um, he can play, he has an offensive side to his game. He's got a great one-time shot, uh, great snapshot, can really shoot the puck, passes a real good first-pass defenseman. Um, he's not big, but he goes about 235. He's a real uh, barrel-chested kid that's real strong. Um, not a fighter, per se, but he's going to play a physical game. He's real good, got good feet, can defend. Um, you know what? Uh, played way too high in our lineup, uh, and the reason being because we had so many injuries, and you know that. And it, you know, when the more those guys play, the more the warts start to come out on them. And I think that uh, you know, coming into Winnipeg, he's going to be somewhere in that five to seven range, and that's perfect for him. And he's uh, he's a good kid, and he's uh, you know he's a real good person. He's a, I'm, I'm, I've already got a couple of text messages here. He's already excited about coming. So um, an Ottawa kid that's uh, come back to Canada. 
I mean, we've seen, I mean, with the Canadian kids playing here, any kids playing here right now, the atmosphere is just second well, to none. Especially you come into a playoff race. I mean, you're moving yeah. from an organi- uh, you know, from a Columbus team that's not obviously in the race at this point, and you come into a playoff race right on the cusp in the most you know, exciting building in the NHL right now. You know, what sort of, I mean, if you can, walk me through uh, Columbus's logic for putting him on waivers to begin with. You know, well, they, not tremendously deep in defense. No, but... They have some players that I think that they w- that are in in Springfield that they want to get up. I know sure. they sent David Savard down. I think they want to get his. Uh, he, they want him to get him going here. I think they want him to. Pro- he'll probably be the guy that comes back up unless they've got a deal ready to to move here. Uh, they just got uh, Nikitin back off injury. They got Wisniewski back off injury. So they've gotten some bodies back. But um, I think that uh, you know at the end of the day they just felt that uh, you know they they were going to go another direction. But there could be something sitting in the weeds here a little bit, and they need some space. He might be blocking sort of. Of the progression of a player that they have higher hopes for. David Savard's a guy I saw play um, at the Memorial oh, Cup, Cup yep, two, two, years two years ago. ago. Yeah, yeah he was a that. Canadian player, a defenseman of the year. Yeah, and you looked. I, I hadn't didn't know much about him. Brandon Gormley's a guy you're kind of going to right. watch and see what you have there, and he moves the puck really nicely. Yeah, he's yeah. a good offensive defenseman, yeah. more towards probably a uh, 60 or 70, yeah. 40, or you know, 70, 30, 60, 40 offensive kind of guy. Yeah. So they don't have a lot of that. So that's he's right. a young prospect that's come and still has a lot of work to do, but. You know, they're maybe making room for them. Yeah, some, hopefully, something. Hopefully there'll be a lot more trades coming in. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it's unusual. Three trades so far, you know, well, a little over 90 minutes to go. I mean, you know, Brian Burke was on TSN earlier. Yeah. Um, boy, he was in a good mood. I'll, I'll tell you what. Why does he accept it? Why does he accept that interview if he's only going to come and say you don't have any right to ask me that question? Yeah, well, Bert, well, what are the ex- you know, Brian? What are you having for breakfast? We're, you know, the, the yeah, country Duffy wants was, to know. Yeah, Duffy was giving Duffy and him were going back and forth, but he said that. You know, he was he was lamenting the fact that the three-point game establishes many teams as being contenders. But at the same time, I think it's incumbent upon the general managers to be able to distinguish what is a team that is really uh, for real and which one isn't. And because a three-point game may put pressure on you in terms of the fans, thinking that you're that close, you should know as a, you know, you'd hope you'd know as a general manager, are we really that close? And if we're not, we shouldn't allow the three-point game to cloud our judgment. I mean, you can put the calculations through and see how your team would do if there wasn't a three-point game. Yeah, You know what? The three-point game, uh, when you're sitting back ten points, with three-point games, you're almost out of it. Yeah. Yeah, and right. you know, you can That's almost right. move to eight. And you can also say, we've had this discussion lots uh, in the last couple of years, six points is a very big margin to make up. And uh, you know what? It uh, just could be because it's exactly that, the points every night that uh, teams now, they know they see that one point and they go for then They go That's to right. stretch it out for That's the right. two or whatever. So, um, I, yeah, I, it's it's difficult at this time to whether or not you're a buyer or a seller. When Scott's exactly right. Even when the, from the Jets' perspective, from the fans' perspective, the Leafs play the Caps on Saturday and all the fans, you're watching a game hoping that it's not a three-point oh, three game. Point it's game. very yeah. it's reversed. And has fortunately, the, the fortunately, the Leafs didn't show up, so that made it a lot easier early on. Right, but it, but it, but it's, you know, as a fan, it's weird to be watching a game hoping it doesn't go to overtime. I mean, back before they did that, and when it was five on five, it was a tie is a tie. Is there any yeah. appetite amongst the front office types, amongst head coaches, for regulation wins to be three points? Uh, I think that there, there's, it's been discussed. It's been something that's been thrown out there. But I, I think the one thing where the NHL is always little leery about is history. And hit that again changes history. It changes, you know, what happens there. You now you're adding more points. Now, you know, teams are getting a uh, hundred and 15 points yeah. or whatever it is in, in the season. So they, 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 I think they're leery on doing that. Well, I mean, we saw in Saturday's Jets-Blues game, 
you know, uh, the Jets made that great comeback. They're two all, and then both teams sort of played that third period, knowing the three point game doesn't hurt anybody in that in that situation. They're not conference rivals. They don't play. You know, it doesn't factor really into the standings. Both teams sort of played that third period a little bit with the thought being, whatever we're going to do, we're not going to lose this game. We're not going to lose that one point that we're guaranteed. You, you know, you put three points on the line for a regulation win. You know, and teams play that third period a lot differently. Well, as Scott says, I mean, if you have ten points and it's three point game. It's not a I mean, three points for a win. Yeah. You can, those spreads can go pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, you know what the other thing too is that you, in that game too was you had a team from the west and a team from the east. Yeah. Right. So it's you know if that sometimes and what I'm seeing I'm actually been watching a little bit of the overtimes just to see what some teams are doing, and the teams that are behind are starting to go with the three forwards and the one yeah, D. You know that, yeah. you can tell get to the get to the overtime yeah. and then put the run on there, put the push on there, and let's try to get the second point, if, sure. especially if you don't think you can win the shootout. Uh, another, not a trade, but the Washington Capitals have confirmed they've placed Nicholas Backstrom on long-term injury. Opens up a lot of cap space there for a team that... that that's why I'm expecting Vancouver to be really active today. They put Keith, Ballard on Keith long-term Ballard, injury. 4.2 yeah. million that please the, that frees him up. what, 6 or 7? He's 6.3, I think, million cap it. i got to check yeah, it. Yeah, it's a, it's a significant one, certainly. But and, and once the season's over, you can that player can come back, and right. so he can be back for the playoffs. But I think the bigger thing is, sure, that opens up cap space for the Caps to make a move, but, I mean, they're not going anywhere without Nicholas Backstrom. No, no. he's the best player on the team. I mean, with you know, with all due respect to uh, Alex Ovechkin, he's proved that team is, is you know... This year, at least. ...begins with it's Nicholas last Backstrom. Year. Yeah, last year exactly. was great, but... But I mean, you know, where are they at there? I mean, they were at, they were seven. I guess this is probably with him already up on um, long term IR. Uh, no, maybe not yet. Actually, it isn't. But they had seven point two million dollars in in cap space coming so, into today. Now the question is, I mean, that's that's another issue too in terms of Washington. Yeah, he makes six point seven cap a year. Excuse me. So that's a huge amount of money there. The question is, if they're buying, I mean, can you buy with that team the way they've been looking? And but if you're buying, what are you giving up? I mean, they do have some young players. They have some nice young goaltenders. But are they going to want to sacrifice them? Are they going to want to sacrifice a guy like Orlov? Are they going to want to? Well, it's it's yeah. a problem. I mean, Washington's been such a disaster this year. I mean, you look at you know. But look Dale at where they're in the playoffs. I know that where they are, but Dale Hunter's on this one-year contract. I mean, what's George McPhee thinking in terms of long-term? Because it doesn't sound like Hunter is his long-term. Uh, doesn't sound like Hunter might Hunter might not want to be long-term. Well, especially he's got his ownership uh, stake in the he, in the he, OHL. He's doing pretty good in that in London there. Yeah. I, I'm not sure how much he's in on on this. He may be getting some headaches. Just he made. You know, look at it and go, man, this isn't a whole lot of fun. No, exactly right. So, I mean, you'll see Washington will be an interesting team to watch. 90 minutes to go here on Trade Deadline Day. You're listening to a special edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. That's Richard Pollock. That's Scott Arneal. I'm Drew Mindell. Let's go to break. Welcome back to the special edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show here on TSN 1290. That's Richard Pollock. That's Scott Arneal. I'm Drew Mindell. Brian Allen says he's not going to be moved by the Carolina Hurricanes, or that's what the Hurricanes have told Brian Allen. We've now been reduced to reporting <laughs> trades that aren't happening. Yeah. That's what uh, I was thinking. It crossed him off the list here of, of players that the Carolina was looking to deal. I still think Yaroslav Spatrick is a yeah. guy that they almost certainly will move, but Rutu re-signed, so he's off the list. Allen's off the list. Still a lot of young players in Carolina for the most part, so it looks like Spatrick is the guy there, Scott. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, they, they didn't, obviously they probably... Allen's probably gotten closer on contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spacek is a you know more expensive defenseman. So, uh, and they signed uh, the other defenseman just recently. Yeah, uh, Tim Gleason. Gleason. So yeah. you know they're starting to. I, I don't know if both guys could stay there. So I, I would probably think that if they've told Allen, then he's the cheaper guy. That's probably why. And then Jim, Carolina's always done this weird thing of being really good, and then being really bad, and being really good. And so it ends up they get Eric Stahl and they get Jeff Skinner. Yeah. But they're really not as 
bad. I'm not great, but they're not as bad as those two picks would. They have they have a lot of pieces you can certainly build around there. I mean, that's you know, there's never been a complete you know a tank job in, in Carolina where they have to start from scratch and rebuild the whole organization. They've always had these sort of key. Players hard. you can build around, and then they just sort of been filling them in as they go. I mean, I think they've overpaid for Tuomo Rutu. I thought that was a little much. You know, yeah. four point seven five cap hit for the next four years. Yeah. It's a it's a lot for for Tuomo Rutu as far as I yeah, was concerned. Yeah, he's had a he's had a you know quite a history of injuries. And yeah. Everything. But yeah, you, you play know, that again, style. He's hurt now again, but right. uh, you know what, Cam Warden that too. Like he's oh, a yeah. guy that's kind of been forgotten over the years, and he's outstanding when he's when he's at his best. He's one of the top goalies. Yeah, well, has, that's just it. You, I mean, consistently, like he's consistent. There's not not a lot of goalies are that consistent. Every year he puts up great numbers. Yeah. Doesn't have a lot of swoons in his in a play. He doesn't remember it was two or three years ago they rode him for like 20 straight games there for 25 straight games for a while. He's a uh, yeah. I agree with Scott. I think uh, I think Kirk Muller going in there too. I think you're seeing a little bit of. Uh, of um, him him starting to come out in their team, and I think that'll only get better. And him having a full year with a training camp, uh, you know, a whole summer to prepare, I think that'll uh, that'll. I know the guys like playing for him, so it'll be good. I want to ask you, Scott, about that because when they came through here, they came through here the first time with with Maurice, and they came through the second time with with um, Mueller. Mueller. It seemed like they were playing a lot more of an aggressive style, um, like really forechecking hard, especially in the neutral zone, throwing you know two forwards up almost and pressuring the defenseman. Is Mueller a more aggressive coach? Uh, not well. I, you know, he played for New Jersey in, in Montreal, yeah. so I would say probably not. Probably you not. know, no, no one the way Montreal has always played. Uh, but I know that Kirk, uh, he's probably learned a little bit along the way as well about um, you do have to play aggressive. You have to do. You do have to try to be. Uh, you know, get give some freedom to your players by letting them skate. So, yeah. um, you know, I think he's trying some things. I think he is. Uh, uh, you know, he's he's trying to see what he's getting from his players. I know the. The players are when the coaching change happens. They're a little bit looser, so um, I think that he's probably um, you know he's kind of letting these guys just kind of go and play and do what they can. And you know what, playing in Carolina, it, it, there's no pressure. There's no media. It's pressure. a lot easier. I mean, imagine if he. I mean, I don't. I don't know what his French like, so I don't know if he no, was ever. Not, so he was never really a viable candidate for the full time Habs job, as yeah, as silly as that may be. Yeah. But uh, you know, imagine if he'd been in, if he'd still been in Montreal as the assistant coach, the pressure would be way more than the it is in Carolina currently. Uh, Grant Clitsum is on Twitter. He joins with the roster of Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. He's at G Clitsum. He tweets very excited to be a Winnipeg Jet. So, you know, there you go. He moves, like you said, from the... He moves from the middle of the Twitter ranks to the high end because <laughs> yeah. 10,000 Winnipeggers will be following exactly. him. Exactly. He'll, he'll be very friendly momentarily. I, I'll tell you what, uh, Nick Schultz is trending worldwide right now, so that's all you need to know about the NHL trade deadline day. Uh, your best tweets, send them to us at Illegal Curve. We're going to be giving away uh, Tim Horton's gift card for the best tweets that we receive while we're on the air. Uh, I believe a gift card every hour. So at Illegal Curve is how you reach us on Twitter. Uh, we are fueled by Tim Horton's coffee today, of course, here on TSN uh, Trade Deadline Day. Almost always. Southeast Division, Scott, it seems like, I mean, a player that wasn't really mentioned as being available and may be available now, that depends on his contract talks, Jason Garrison. Yeah. He's got a heck yeah. of a shot. Moves the yeah, puck I've well. heard, and I've heard about him last couple of weeks here that uh, um, good addition for anybody. Yeah. Uh, big shot, big bomb. You yeah. know, got off to an unbelievable start. Um, has slowed down quite a bit. Um, I'm not sure if that's because of contract while they're talking about moving them. Uh, I know that uh, certainly in Florida they've made a lot of changes over the last year and a half and kind of a little bit of moving the old piece of the old players out. And kind of like the when Carlisle and Burke went to Anaheim, they got rid of all the old pieces, and it looks like you know Florida's doing a lot of the same thing. So um, pretty good defenseman. If he's, I don't know what they're asking price for, but that, he, that he's a big body guy. Then, like I said, great shot. 
defends pretty well. I think McKenzie was rumoring uh, earlier in the day that we have uh, well, we have one. I think we'll have Rick coming. Rick, here. Rick will be here momentarily. Um, I suspect. I, th- I think McKenzie was, was rumored to be a top six guy, so um, you know a high asking price. I think Garrison's a pending unrestricted free agent. If I, remember, if I, I think remember that's correctly. probably the reason why. Yeah, he and he didn't want to. I mean, there's a couple guys who are decent players who haven't wanted to resign. Garrison couldn't reach a deal. P.A. Parento on Long Island. Uh, says that he's not going to sign before the deadline, so he's supposedly on the block. You, you got, never know what the Isles are going to do. You, you got to wonder because I mean the Islanders, I mean, you know, he's succeeded. He's playing on the second line now. Not they've got Oposo up with with Tavares and Molson. He's still producing Parentos. The question is, you know, I, I know they gave him his shot, and he was a guy who was more in the in the AHL, played with the Rangers. So that's a guy that, what, you know, you look at the top sixty of scoring, he's in there. Yeah, you know what? The one thing I think that Parento obviously. There might be a little gun shy because Michael Grabner did the same thing last year and got the big contract, and Mike's have a tough year this year. But uh, with Parento, I think he wants to stay. I think it, just from what I've heard, um, you know, they may get something done right afterwards. But um, if if they don't trade him, then it probably means that they're probably pretty close on dollars. You know, how, how much of a balance does that take between you know si- trading a guy and signing him, and you know, at what point does it, the offer become too good? That you can't reject it, and you want the guy on your, uh, you know, that the yeah. the trade is worth is is more worthwhile than resigning the guy. I know it's hard for you guys to believe, but the agents are actually involved in this day quite a bit too. Yeah. The GMs are not only taking calls from uh, other GMs; they're taking sure. calls from agents or their phoning agents, and they're saying, "Well, you know what? If we decide that we're going to make this move and hold on, how close are we? And I know to signing, or are, are we? Is this, you know, if you do something in the, where we decide that we're not going to trade you?" And then you decide you're not going to sign with us. You know, I mean that 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 you know has animosity towards that that agent and you. And maybe in the future you don't do deals together. So the agent also has to be honest and upright here too, because he he can't you know sort of screw the GM. And, right. and you know, so you do you have to kind of sort of three ways of playing this. You got to get the the honesty of the the player and does he want to play there and be there and are you close on dollars? So maybe you decide. Uh, you know, we hear often about guys we're way off on on deals, so you do trade them. But there's lots of times too where you're close, and so you say, okay, we won't make that move. And what I always find interesting when it comes to the trade deadline day is the, why these uh, these UFAs, these pending UFAs, they get they get dealt, yeah. and the team that deals them never tries to sort of never seems to be interested in getting them back afterwards on the unrestricted free agency market. Happens, I mean, happens with Kachuk. Yeah, but I mean, how often does it happen where you know you know take a guy like Jim Slater? of the Winnipeg Jets, who's, you know, probably got a decent amount of value today. Very good player for the Jets. Wins face-offs. Wins face-offs, does all the little things. Got a decent amount of value today. Could probably get something reasonable on the market for him. Why don't the Jets then go try and get him back in the, in the summer? you got to be careful. There is a, there's is there a big a, rule there, a big collusion clause that, well, I'm not saying about that, they, that. But you, you, get, you could do that. Right, obviously, but there are you got to be real leery on that. Ask the Timberwolves how that turned out. Sure, exactly, with Joe, with Joe Smith. Rick Ralph joining us. NHL Trade Deadline 2012. This is the Tim Hortons Trade Desk on TSN 1290. And it's not exactly an NHL trade, but it involves the NHL teams in Toronto making its first or maybe only deal of the day as Brian Burke gets in on the action descending defenseman Keith Ollie to Tampa Bay for Winnipeg native Carter Ashton. Breaking trade news as it happens. Brought to you in part by Birchwood Chevrolet Buick GMC. Would that be Brent Ashton's kid? That is Brent. Wow, boy. I feel old now. I mean, I remember Brent playing for the Jets 1.0. Keith Hawley, talk about him. What does he bring? Why hasn't he been able to really uh, make an impact with the Leafs? They have so many defensemen under contract. You know, first contract, he's more of a stay-at-home guy. 
Um, they have so many guys. I mean, they're not dressing Commissarek now, so you're going to put call. They've got him to some games, but they just have too many guys under contract. So they're dealing from, and they have Corbinian and Holzer down in in, uh, in the A. So they have so many guys in line here. The defenseman for a forward here makes sense for Toronto. Good young player in Carter Aston too. Yeah. Um, can really skate. Um, you know, he's uh, he's an offensive kid and played with his dad. And it'll be interesting to see that. Uh, you know, that's that's a. I think that might be a you know a good deal. Obviously, like you said, you moved away. Uh, a defenseman that was probably on the outside looking in, but you've got now yourself a, a pretty good young prospect that uh, I believe was a first rounder. Yeah, he was a first rounder. You know, so that's round, yeah. uh, you know that's uh, that's not a bad trade right there. That was in the I was at that draft in Montreal. I think that was oh yep. nine, I believe, at the end of the first round. Um, yeah, you know that's seems like a nice nice pickup there for the Leafs. I mean, Tampa Bay's adding to the back end because they we saw that you know right they're not. They have Hedman and they have Brewer and guys like that. But you get a little younger, which helps at Brett Clark. You get a little younger. Yeah. And um, you ship out a, you know, a guy like Leafs. I just wonder if the Leafs are trying to gonna use – the question is, are they going to use a- Ashton and package him as part of a young deal for a bigger Well, they, they need prospects if they're – I mean, you know, you look you through always, their – You always need prospects. I, of course, you always need prospects. But you look through their farm system, and there's nobody there that jumps out at you well, as being – you know. You got I, Colburn, and I mean, yeah. I like Colburn more than I like Kadri. Right. Kadri, as far as I'm concerned, if Kadri wasn't a legitimate NHLer, he'd be there by now. I mean, the Leafs team isn't a di- isn't a dynamo. If he was a legitimate NHLer, he'd be playing with the big squad, eighty, you know, seventy five, eighty games a year. The, pro- the problem with with Kadri is he's a little bit handsy, and he's a little bit, you know, he tries to do too much. He's a little like Bermistrov here he tries to do too many things that he shouldn't be trying to do at the NHL level. And they tried to wean him off of it, I think, in the A. He performed quite well, but then you have him up in his. You know what happens is you get the speed, and then the tendencies come back. And he's and he's not the he's he's soft on the puck, and you know they probably want to move him. Keep him on the wing, I think. I mean, so yeah. But I mean, shouldn't we know the answer to all these questions about him already? How many years ago was it? Was he going to be the savior of the Toronto Maple Leafs? The same year as Ashton. Well, so was that four or five years ago now? Two thousand nine. So you know, through two drafts, three drafts ago, if you want to look at that way. He should be there if he's going to be anything, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, Colburn has moved. I think they like Colburn in terms of the size. Not the most physical guy, but he needs a guy to picked up there from the Caberlet deal. Probably ahead of him, but it doesn't hurt to have the core. The question is. Are they going to keep him, or are they going to package this in a big deal for some kind of center or something? 75 minutes left to get your trades into NHL headquarters. You're listening to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show special edition here on trade deadline day on TSN 1290. Welcome back. A guy that we think might be dealt for the Winnipeg Jets today, a guy whose name has been bandied about, is uh, Johnny Oduya. We had an opportunity to get some audio from Johnny Oduya earlier today. The first question is, have you heard about the rumors of his uh, trade? Uh, no, not really. I try not to pay too much attention uh, to what's going on. Uh, whatever's going to happen, happens. And, uh, you know, it's out of my control, so uh, not much to do. How would you feel if you were traded? Well, I think any time it's, uh, it's mixed emotions. Uh, uh, obviously, you leave uh, uh, a group of guys behind that uh, uh, you've been battling with for, for some time. And, you know, uh, uh, at the other hand, maybe opportunity uh, shows up at, uh, at the other side. So uh, usually it's, uh, it's both ways. That's what I got out of it last time pretty much. Uh, it was a little bit earlier than, uh, than actually on, uh, on the deadline date. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's a part of the game. And uh, like I said, it's not that much to uh, think about really. That was Johnny Oduya, currently of the Winnipeg Jets. We'll find out in about 70 minutes' time if that is still going to be the case. I don't think that'll be the case. I'd be surprised. I mean, just given the the Grant Clitson move, which we've talked about a lot, it doesn't seem to make sense that there'd be room for both of them. Left-handed moving puck, left-handed shooting puck moving defenseman. Um, why would you bring another one in over a million dollars unless you were for sure dealing one out, um, for sure one one of the defensemen going out? Um, 
in terms of do you want to talk about yeah let's talk about what uh, not yet uh, not yet done but uh, rumors abound about it Daniel Winnick supposedly going to go from Colorado to San Jose not yet confirmed and a lot can happen what is it what about Daniel Winnick uh, well, game do you think would appeal to the San Jose Sharks we did our preview show two weeks ago we went uh, before, before the show and during the week we put together a spreadsheet of what the needs were San Jose on here you can see Drew is a third line winger that's what Winnick gets third line winger Right, because you have your top line of you know Thornton, Marlowe, Pavelski. You have Couture, Klo. Hopefully, you have Havlat back if you're San Jose, and you throw him on the right side. Then you have Moore. Now you slide him above Hanzus, although depending on the matchup, it depends on who's going to check. So Moore in your third line, Hanzus in your fourth line, and you needed a little bit of depth on the left side, or left or right, but left side. And you had Winnick, big guy, harder to play against. Seemed like a nice move for me. What do you yeah. know about him, uh, Scott? No, I agree. It's a it's a good move. He's a good player. I think that. Uh, Fits into kind of the San Jose mold. Uh, yeah. You guys probably saw them in here earlier. They're a yeah. big team. Oh, yeah. Uh, he'll fit in there. Uh, you know, they obviously offensively, uh, you know, they've got lots of weapons. Um, the Havlet thing will be interesting. Yeah. Uh, whether or not Miss may be the reason why, bringing him in here. But he adds depth. I know they've tried different players. They obviously, uh, uh, you know, they've tried different, you know, kids from the American League. Uh, they've, you know, they've had, I know Andrew Murray was there for yeah. a bit. They've tried some different pieces there. And I just think they, they got a kid now that can put the puck in the net. And another good move for them. Well, if you're the Sharks, you see your window closing. I mean, you know, they're still going to be a good team for a lot of years. I mean, they got, with any team that's got Pavelski and Couture and, and, and that youth, I mean, and Chloe, you know, you're doing okay. But Thornton's not getting any younger. No. I mean, Havlat's certainly injury prone, and you know you can't really count on him that much. Boyle, you know, yeah. Boyle certainly. There you go, another one. You like the moves they've made, in that they've, you know, Brent Burns is a young guy they brought in. I like that move when they Struggle, did it. Struggled, but he's played better. You know, yeah. but I mean, the, the window is. I mean, we say it each year that the window's closing, but you know, you're only looking another year or two before Joe Thornton's gonna, you figure, start taking a reasonable decline in his talents. Well, the question also is, though, Drew, is is if Thornton takes the decline, can Contour just hop over and be the number one center? Yeah. Right. And the big thing for me, and this is make or break. Uh, San Jose Sharks, whether or not where anywhere they go is goaltending, yeah. and right now they're not getting it, no. and uh, they they look ordinary, and it, it's amazing how good that team is. I, it's one of the teams I obviously the teams we saw at West, certainly like Vancouver, um, L.A. I'm not sure about maybe since the trades and they have better goaltending obviously, but to me San Jose is the team, well, and I, if Niami can get back to form, he they are the team that's going to that'll be tough to, to to play against. I totally agree with Scott when they were here. I mean, they just dominated. Like, they won 2 nothing, but the play was just controlled. And yeah. they were in control the entire game. It was the most control I've seen a team here. Just big and skilled. Big and skilled. Yeah, big and skilled. I mean, it was one of the more dominating performances you've seen the Jets. I mean, the Jets went up against the San Jose Sharks, and there was a, a very evident uh, talent disparity between the two squads in that game. But, but Scott's right about that size, too. That size is just it's, it's imposing. And, and the Jets yeah. aren't the biggest team in the league, and, and, they, and the size and speed with you've, the length. You've heard, you heard Vancouver uh, talk about it. Uh, there's some other teams have talked about you know, the playoffs, and they need to get bigger and a little bit stiffer. And it's not because Vancouver isn't talking about Boston. Obviously, we know that what happened at the end there. Vancouver is a little bit worried because they played San Jose last year, and they, and they played L.A., and they know what these teams can do because they are big and they wear you down. It's a, it's a wrestling match, you know, seven-game series of wrestling match. And if, and if you can't match them with size and power, it's like football. If your big offensive line is bigger and stronger than the opposition, you're not going anywhere. And uh, that's kind of what, you know, San Jose is. And it's, to me, it's just about goaltending. If they don't get it, uh, they're going to be ordinary. But if they do, they're going to be really, really tough. I agree. And, and well, I mean, on, on that point, if you look, talk about L.A., L.A. doesn't have this. San Jose's got the size. LA's big, but San Jose can skate better than LA. Sure. So they've, they've got the offense. They, yeah. They're power play. They're, they've got people that uh, that are 
deeper than, and that's obviously why they made the Carter trade, yeah. but a lot deeper than what uh, yeah. what uh, L.A. has offensively. That's you right. mentioned LA's the like goaltending. Two goals again. Crazy in this day, two goals again. You mentioned yeah. Niemi uh, for San Jose, their goaltender. I mean, rumors, and again, they're rumors, and it's Twitter, but I mean, reputable sources say that San Jose offered... Uh, offered uh, Niemi for for James Van Riemsdyk. Are they just trying to fleece the Flyers at that point, see if they would make a panic deal? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I don't. I don't think uh, that one's has any real no. bearing. No, I, I think the big thing to me, Paul Holmgren, when we made the Carter deal, yeah, uh, Van Riemsdyk was the guy that him and Giroux were the untouchables. So I don't know. I'm saying how all of a sudden his name is the guy that's, that's right. out there. To me, Paul Holmgren, I don't think has changed his mind. I think Laviolette still is a big fan. They know that this guy can still help them. Well, we saw Philly here last week, and Van James Van Reems like looked very good uh, on the left wing there. He looked really good. Yeah, I, mean, I know he's in and out, and maybe doesn't play them. Considering the size and speed, maybe doesn't play the quote-unquote flyer style. There's still so much more talent. There's still so much talent there, and he's so young. They just locked him up for six years. I mean, they obviously have big hopes for him. He was good in the playoffs last year. He was. Yeah. Um, goaltending. Uh, you know, we've talked about it. You, you think it's gonna? You know, is that gonna be Philly's undoing? You know, uh, do you, or do you see Brisgala bouncing back and being... I, and being remember at, we said this uh, two years ago. Right. And they made it to the final. Right. Remember they used three right. goaltenders? Yeah. I think in the finals they yeah. used three goaltenders. Yeah. Sure. They three goalies. So, you know what? The one that I said earlier, the one team in the league that can overcome goaltending is Philadelphia. And they've done it all year long. How they've done it. The other night watching that game, they're down 3 nothing, and right. they just stormed back. They have enough skill to score goals. So they could be the one team that gets away with it. They did the year they went to the finals. So um, who knows? Uh, Bruce Galloff, I, I don't understand it. They, he was so good in Phoenix. Um, whether he's caught up in all the media that's around him and all the pressure that's on him, but or he's gotten comfortable. I'm not sure which one it is, but this kid's a good goaltender. Well, yeah, how much do you think that he is a good, good goaltender? Or he was protected by Dave Tippett's uh, system. There's, there's, yeah, there's, that's an, that's uh, that's a fair statement. That yes, he wasn't getting the quality against. Philly runs and runs in guns. Oh, sure. yeah. no, they, oh, they, they, not, they have a little bit of oiler, old Oilers to them. Uh, they do. They're, they're fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you know, that's the problem with a lot of these well, teams you see nowadays is they just they bore you to death. As a fan, never mind you know on the, playing in the actual game. We we're talking to the Flyers writer. I said to the fly to one of the Flyers writers that Philly coming through town at least not on TV but coming through town Philly is the best puck moving team we've seen all year but at forward yeah they just it's boom 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 they have so much speed and so much skill and they're such a nice blend of size speed skill tenacity and they still have that sort of aggressiveness that yeah. they like to play too Scotty Hardnell types and they yeah. just yeah I mean they can they overcome it yeah. Scott made a good point. I mean, you know, I think they made a, a really good move by getting Kabina and Grossman. Yeah. That helps your D a little bit because they're sure. both shut down D. So, yeah. you know, whether or not, you know, what, whoever knows what happens with Pronger, but they still have those two guys were brought in because they were a little bit loose back there. They're both big boys, too. Yeah. Still about that uh, San Jose, the w- rumors of Winnick. Now also rumored that Galliardi is as part of a deal there, too. So it sounds like Winnick and Galliardi going to San Jose. Don't know what's going the other way yet. And as soon as we do, you'll hear from Rick Ralph here on uh, TSN 1290. I guess that would be maybe more, if they're worried about Havlet, too, a little more skill and, yeah. and depth, too. Yeah, I, I think the big question is, the question Mark is Havlet, whether or not yeah, he's going to ever show up again. Plus, when he comes back, he's missed almost half the year now. Sure. And that was such a freak play. But when we saw San Jose here, then the second right, second line right wing, they were playing Ben Ferio. It was just over his head. Yeah. And, and, and it showed because that was a weak spot on that line. And against, you know, against the Jets, you can hide it. Against Vancouver. And, yeah. and, Especially and, when on the road. That's right. Because yeah. you can't match it. No. Yeah. Uh, we're going to hear oh. for... Well, another one. We'll get another deal. That's oh, a big one. That's the, yeah, there's a deal for Vancouver. We'll hear uh, San Jose acquires Winnick, Galliardi, and a seventh-round pick from Colorado. We don't know the other half of that deal yet. Um, again, another deal. Don't know the other half. It sounds like Sammy Paulson going, uh, a guy you would know, 
you know, talk about Sammy Paulson first and foremost. Yeah, you know what, Sammy, obviously he's won a Stanley Cup in Anaheim uh, a couple years back. He's a, you know, third-line shutdown centerman, and that's what, all he is. He's, a, you know, no disrespect to Sammy. He doesn't have any offense, but Sammy's a real good guy, very good at his job, good face-off guy, good penalty killer. Um that's real good depth for Vancouver yeah. right there. Yeah, Sammy. I like that. I mean, look at their middle. It's and we're up against it here. Sedin, Kessler, Paulson, and Malhotra. And they use Malhotra like exclusively in defensive zones and for faceoffs. And now they have Paulson, that flexibility. Yeah, that, that's a big, that's big. Kessler and Paulson, big boys. Malhotra's not small. Malhotra's big too. Only Sedin. And yeah, I like a lot of depth there. And they have that room now. They have the cap room. And, and Paulson doesn't have a, a you know, isn't cheap, isn't. UFA. Yeah. So I think it's about $2.75 million or $3 million. Something yeah, like that. In, he's in the three range. Yeah. They're, they're going for it in Vancouver. They're going for it in San Jose. Wherever you look, NHL trades are happening. You're listening to a special edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, Trade Deadline Day on TSN 1290. Top of the hour, welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, special edition of the program here on Trade Deadline Day on the NHL TSN 1290. Rick Ralph joining us in studio, which means only one thing. Oh, what does that mean? It means that he's got a trade to announce. Breaking trade news as it happens. <laughs> Brought to you in part by Birchwood Chevrolet Buick GMC. Well, they've come as a bit of a flurry now as we are into the final hour. So the last three deals still trying to confirm. But Colorado looks to be sending Daniel Winnick, TJ Gillardi, and a seventh-round pick to San Jose. We've yet to hear what's coming back from San Jose to Colorado. Uh, Ottawa sending Brian Lee to Tampa Bay. It looks like Matt Gilroy is going back the other way. We are waiting to confirm that. And Columbus, Sammy Paulson, who becomes an unrestricted free agent in the summer, uh, has been a hot commodity today. Uh, he is off to Vancouver, it looks like. It sounds like there's a couple of draft picks coming back again Waiting to confirm all of that, but this is uh, looking like it's going through, and seven trades now in the books. There you have it. Rick Ralph, you'll hear from him throughout the day as trades break here on TSN 1290, NHL trade deadline day. Send us your favorite tweets, at Illegal Curve, whatever we like. You might be eligible to win a $20 Tim Hortons gift card because we are fueled by Tim Hortons here to keep us going throughout the, the next, uh, well, a little under an hour until the fa- trades have to be into NHL headquarters. They usually leak over past the uh, 3.30 in the afternoon mark, usually. generally, you know, by the time they the deals like, get in and get filed and everything else. You file 10 deals at like 10.2, then they backlog, right? That's right. They have to have the trade calls, everything else, uh, all the uh, legal mumbo-jumbo, as it were. On Vancouver, I still think Vancouver adds a defenseman, probably preferably a right-side guy because, they, you know, they have Edler and Ham, who's really solid. They obviously have a Fiexa. Um, but Sammy Sallow, hit or miss in terms of health, you know, good, solid defenseman. Then you have your Aaron Romes and your, and your Andrew Alberts, and you have Bauer now in LTIR. TNF. Yeah, I mean, Tanev, exactly. Tanev, a guy who can move and skate, you know, a little bit different than obviously Alberts in that way and Rome too. But you have an injury, and you're going to be elevating one of those guys to the four slot. You want to put another guy up there, I think, who can take the heat off. I think provide a little more depth, and then you can be a little more flexible. Because if, say, Salah goes down, which happens quite often, <laughs> yeah. are you throwing somebody else up there now in the number four slot against you know Logan Couture's line in, in San Jose? or you know? Yeah, it happened to them in, obviously last year. Yeah. Uh, Tanev had to go in there in the finals, you know, when uh, exactly. so it uh, uh, when Rome got suspended. So it, yeah, I think that Vancouver is heavily here trying to land that, especially with Ballard's, uh, you know, coming off the off the books. There it gives them some money and some room to work. Yeah, you had a D-man on that. This team is stacked. I mean, it's Vancouver's cause. Co- Vancouver's conference right now to lose. I think 
just with the depth they have and the depth in goal, the depth if they had another defenseman, and the depth of forward. Adrian Data of the Denver Post saying that the return from San Jose in exchange for Galliardi and Winnick is uh, Jamie McGinn, Mike Connolly, and Michael Scarboza. All, uh, yeah, all sort of uh, um, utility players. Yeah, yeah uh, I mean, you know, all American League guys. Uh, not, well, not McGinn has been McGinn, up yeah. there, but um, McGinn's yeah. an RFA after the year. So Interesting I mean, move by Colorado because it's uh, not real. You know, real impact, and maybe dollar-wise, it helps them a little bit. But yeah. um, you know, a team that's right there in the bubble there too. So, well, Colorado's got to worry about the salary floor, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. You said they couldn't hack off more than I think something like three and a half million dollars is what they could afford to hack off before they'd be below the salary floor. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's you know, they're at their boy, they have they're at forty-nine million right now. Wow. And they've and that's taking so Galliardi's at seven hundred thousand and Winnick at nine fifty so take away another one point six million. But you put you put two guys in even at the minimum I think it's five fifty or six hundred this year. So yeah. yeah, so I mean they're they're you're fine. They're fine. They're getting close. I mean, which is amazing to think about that uh, <laughs> that that's what you hear from Bob McKenzie saying that Vancouver gives up a player in the organization and a draft pick. Don't know who just yet. But uh, as soon as we have it, you'll hear from uh, Rick Ralph with that. You have to think there was other competition for Pep Olsen's services just for what he adds and for the fact that those guys competing against Vancouver probably would have wanted to prevent him from going there. Yeah, you would think that they'd be so. able to get a decent return on uh, on that. Yeah. Sometimes it's sometimes the move is, isn't so much even you wanting to do it. It's just preventing your opponent from from getting it done, especially on waivers and that sort that of happened thing. happened way back in the when baseball when, uh, yeah. when Blue Jays had Randy, Ma- Randy, Randy Myers. Randy Myers, yeah. Huge deal, and then the... Uh, Padres claimed him because they thought the Braves would, and then they're stuck with 18 million. I mean, it's not to that extent, obviously, but that does happen in terms of upping the ante. Now, oh, this is the Jets one. We'll get Rick in here to do right away. Oh wow, Johnny Oduya has been traded to the Chicago Blackhawks. We we've made that connection, uh, well, for weeks on end now. Here's Rick Ralph. Breaking trade news as it happens. Brought to you in part by Old Dutch Foods. Johnny Oduya being reported on the move as uh, we had figured it would be Boston or Chicago. It's come down and the Chicago Blackhawks have acquired Johnny Oduya. Yet to be clear what is coming back the other way. We should have that shortly. There you go. Johnny Oduya going to the Chicago Blackhawks. A lot of familiarity between uh, Kevin Dayoff and the Blackhawks organization. That was something we pinpointed almost a month ago, saying this is a definitely a, uh, a potential for Johnny Oduya, a potential landing spot for him. We will find out who it is uh, in the next, obviously, a few minutes and report accordingly. Broken clocks right twice a day. Once in a while we can call him right. <laughs> Johnny Oduya, I mean, we, we, I think the fans here now know, know what, what he's all about, and he's a puck-moving guy, not the biggest guy. Um, Prone to, prone to, uh, to ill-timed turnovers, as far as <laughs> as far as I would say. And I'll, I'll say this about the Blackhawks adding him, and the Jets. Yeah, we'll see what they get in return. But in any event, um, the Chris Campoli turnover to Alexander Burroughs in Game Seven, the Hawks and the Canucks last year. So that's a very Johnny Oduya type turnover. And so I, <laughs> I, I, if I'm a Hawks fan, I'm hoping I don't see a lot of that. But he does move the puck. It allows them to take pressure off Nick Letty, who was elevated to a role after Brian Campbell was dealt. Uh, left, left-handed shooting guy, can play four or five. Adds depth, obviously, the, you know, the Monador and Seabrook and Charmelson. So they have a nice top six. He can move the puck, and that's a big key. Moving the puck into the, to those forwards is a nice uh, nice addition. They needed a defenseman. I think we had him on here, Drew, Yeah, as needing a fourth D-man. So they got a fourth yeah. D-man. It'll be interesting to see the return. Uh, third round pick? Second, third, sort of what you're expecting? Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think Chicago's desperate. They needed, they, needed, uh, they needed to get some depth there. So 
I could see them giving up a second pick. So, so could I, especially because it's Chicago. If they finish, if they make a run here, the second pick's lower than the second. You know, it's a sure, low it's pick. a low second. I mean, uh, you know, is this going to help? I mean, Chicago's problems, you know, have been goaltending. Now, fr- granted, you can fix your goaltending by improving your defense, but is this really significantly improving your defense? Because we know Oduya is an offensive defenseman more than anything. Well, I, I think it's. I, I, I personally don't love Johnny Oduya. But I, I think it's a, it's an upgrade over what they had there. I mean, they were they were you know they were trying to fit in John Scott and, and Lapisto. So um, I think that I think Johnny Oduya's had, had a you know I haven't watched all the games, but I was very impressed with how he played here this year. wasn't a big fan in Atlanta, but I certainly yeah. have liked what I've seen here. And you know he and he has he's, he's matured throughout the year. I think. Certainly improved from the beginning problems yeah. where uh, you know and free pizzas galore as, as Coach Noel likes to say. If you got John Scott in there, and John, all due respect to John Scott, I mean. You need to get it. You need to improve on it. You, know, you need to improve. For defenseman, you make a really good left winger. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> you see some lots of defense on the move so far early this year, uh, early this uh, trade deadline. Yeah. I mean, we've seen Brian Lee, we've seen Matt Gilroy, we've seen Keith Alway. Let's talk about that deal. Okay, well, the, you know, I, before we get to that, you know, is Oduya the best that Chicago could do right now? I mean, with the, with the well, minimal cost. Minimal cost, right? And that's what you're talking about. Take into account cost and cost and effect. They can get a guy like Oduya. They don't give up a first. Um, you know, they'll eat a second. They have a younger core too, so they're going to make a run. But at the same time, you want to give guys like Hosa and these guys, you know, a good chance. And so much talent, you never really want to mail it in. You don't want to just leave it because if they leave with their defense as it is, they're going to get exploited. Right. And Letty's wearing down, and I think that and they're playing Seabrook and Keith like huge minutes every night. If you play these guys 27, 28 mm-hmm. minutes to get into the middle of the first round, they're dying out there. So you allow you allow the the balanced ice time, and you can you know allow your your uh, you know, your bigger defenseman to play 25-26, and you preserve them. Smart move for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, you take take the whole uh, acquisitions they've made today and deals they've made today. You get you bring in Grant Klitsam for one more year at $1.25 million. He's, you got him for this year and all next year. Yep. Oduya, a guy who you're not going to have, wasn't going to come back to the team unless you're going to pay him, you know, more than he deserves, to be honest. You know, you get him and you're going to get an acquisition for him. Smart moves by Kevin Shoveldayoff off so far uh, this trade deadline day. Yeah, nothing, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, you, you made the the first move, which is getting a the replacement. To, yeah, yeah, the replacement to allow you to make the second move. So, you know what? Uh, it's what happens in the game, and you know what? Uh, you know what? You, you have to do those things because when you look at it in September or at the draft or at free agency and you just lost a UFA for nothing, That's then exactly. you start to kick yourself for maybe that opportunity you had to move them for a pick or a player. And we always talk about with Ottawa when they sat on those guys on Chara and they just let them go for nothing. Yeah. And, they, and then they have let and they traded them basically you know, for you know, 10 cents on the dollar and they, on much of these assets they turn into nothing. And they, that, when those, they were struggling for those years, that was very much the reason. They didn't yeah. turn their, their big players into anything. And what happens too is that the players don't want to go but when the season ends and all this hype starts to happen and they start to see what's being thrown around and who they're compared to or who they're in the same market with and they feel they're better, all of a sudden they, their allegiance to that home team changes a little bit and, now, well, maybe New York isn't so bad, you know, or maybe Chicago or Vancouver or whatever, you know, so it does change their thinking over the course of the summer. And then the agents are also the guys that are driving this stuff, telling them, hey, look, it, we can do a little bit better somewhere else, you know, so. Funny tweet at Illegal Curve from at Hemi underscore 26. Johnny Oduya to Blackhawks. Does this mean he's going to be serving up deep dish pizzas now? <laughs> I think that there's our Tim Hortons uh, Tim Card winner for this hour. We'll get in touch with at Hemi underscore 26. Send us your tweets at Illegal Curve, and you too may win uh, a Tim Hortons gift card as they are the official sponsor here on TSN 1290. Trade deadline day coverage. 
Why don't we go to commercial? When we come back, maybe we'll hear exactly what's going to happen or what's coming back to the Jets in return for Johnny Oduya. And undoubtedly, there are more deals underway. You're listening to a special edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show live on TSN 1290. Welcome back to the program. Trade deadline day here on TSN 1290. Good return to uh, the Jets trading Johnny Oduya. A second and a third round pick in 2013 goes back to Winnipeg in exchange for Oduya, a guy who was going to be an unrestricted free agent and was not uh, going to be re-signed by the Winnipeg Jets by all accounts. Nice work by Kevin Trevodayoff and company here. Yeah. We thought second or third. We thought, talking right before, I thought they can get a second, second and a third. Hey, take it any day of the week. Yeah, this is just a, I mean, you're, you're, Getting your, I mean, you're getting assets for a guy who wasn't going to be there long term. It's pretty right. straightforward, pretty simple. And the other thing too is that like people don't get discouraged that it's 2013 and not this year. I mean, doesn't matter. If it's right. a second, third round pick. That's those are good picks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. right. I mean, yeah. you get two. Gen- Scott was saying earlier, right before we hopped on, you could get two chances that you could turn two of those, you know, the second into a first, two seconds into a first. Who knows what you know what happens? That you have flexibility. Options is the best thing you can have in this in this in the salary cap day and age. Those options are great. That's right. I mean, you never limit yourself. And uh, the other trade. Sammy Paulson for was uh, two fourths. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. And bo- both you, both you guys thought that would uh, that was a little low. You thought. Uh, well, well, I mean, you know, you know, you know him better than anybody yeah, in this room. Sammy, I thought Sammy would have drawn a little bit higher. Having an NHL, excuse me, a Stanley Cup ring in his pocket, playing a gigantic role uh, for Anaheim that year. I, a little surprised that it was, you know, that uh, was something more than like like the Winnipeg deal. It wasn't a second and a third this year or next year. I was a little bit surprised. I'm, I'm really surprised by that, especially because I thought, you know, there was rumors that Detroit might be in on that and maybe some other teams in the West or whoever it may be. Boston, apparently, was, I mean, they had him back in the old Ray Bork trade, so they, uh, different brass, obviously, but with those teams fishing around, big-bodied guy, you can be a shutdown guy and you can trust defensively. Two-fourths. I mean, Vancouver, I think Vancouver did really nicely there. Well, I mean, exactly. Two fourth rounders for a team like Vancouver, who's got so much depth and so much, and 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 has sight their sights set on another Stanley Cup final this year. Yeah. You do that every day of the yeah, week and and, so. and twice on Saturday, no questions asked. Um, about forty minutes to go here until all the deals have to be in into the NHL headquarters. Expect that uh, you know, trades will trickle in after the two o'clock deadline. We haven't on air talked about the Brian Lee uh, Matt Gilroy deal yet. Okay, well, let's talk about Brian Lee goes from Ottawa to Tampa Bay. Matt Gilroy goes back from Tampa to Ottawa. Guys who've been, uh, you know, uh, NHLers in past. Both collegians, both Both. played in NCAA. Yeah, I mean, Brian Lee was down in the AHL, I believe, with with Binghamton. Yeah. Uh, Matt Gilroy, I'm not sure if he spent most of the year with Tampa or or if they were down in Norfolk. We saw him on Thursday. To me, an apple for an apple. Yeah. They're almost identical kind of players. Is it the trade maybe seeing uh, if a change in scenery will will allow each guy to maybe recapture some of the uh, promise that they had at the beginning of their careers? I think so. Obviously, Gilroy wasn't with the Rangers, but had had a second chance. But I think for Lee, it's, uh, you know, North Dakota kid that I think that they're kind of looking to maybe see if there's something there that can... uh, they can bring out of them. Um, you know what? Again, two players awful lot like more offensive than That's defensive, right. and both good puck movers, both right-handed shots. That's right. And then you're not going to put either of those guys in the last minute of the game, you know, defending a three-two lead. But that's exactly right, Scott. They're very, they're very similar. Try and switch up the uh, um, the atmosphere for those guys and see what they can do. Tampa Bay have been very active at trade deadline so far. I mean, they've made a, a number of moves today. Steve Eiserman just doesn't sit back and wait. I like where I mean, he's very, seems very proactive as a general manager. Yeah, well, like I said, we talked about earlier. I mean, the, the trades last week. Uh, you know, I think he's starting to uh, for Downey. The, you know, they're they're starting to sort of worry about a little bit next year. Gotcha. And they're they're you know the trades for Commodore, uh, the trade for uh, the other defenseman, Ollie. Uh, Ollie. Yeah. I think they're just 
making sure that they're competitive every night. But uh, they're, they're at that position. It, they're in a tough spot right now. And like we said, about eight points being out, I think they are. Yeah. That's a tough That's a tough climb. <laughs> no, he's definitely uh, definitely selling on uh, in that organization, especially the last two games. They just, they, they're just not competitive. Well, that, I mean, they, they beat New Jersey the last game, but they well, played I mean, against here. They yeah. played here. They were, they, aside from the well, third period, and then they played against Pittsburgh right after, and they just got bombed by Pittsburgh 8-1, I think it was. So, yeah, you want to at least be respect, you know, respectable for the duration of the season. And it helps to get the young players to not get so down on themselves. I wouldn't be surprised if Stevie's stockpiling uh, some of those picks to land a goaltender. Yeah, it, something at the tra- at, at the at the, at draft, the draft. You would think. Yeah, I would think at the draft. Yeah, interestingly, he said yesterday they asked him about Ben Bishop, and they said you know he didn't like the price, he didn't like the second round price for Bishop. So it, was in, he's, it seems like he has his eye on somebody else there. I thought Bishop to. I mean, you look at Ottawa, and you know Robin Leonard is supposed to be the goaltender of the future there in yeah, Ottawa. A little bit of attitude issues there, I think, though, with Leonard because they would have given him a better shot at this point. And he needs more seasoning, but they, they seem to want to kind of put him in his place a bit. And, I mean, he played last night and they won, but you never, you never can really have enough goaltending. And B- the Bishop got developed for you, and then you pop him in here and, and you know, big goaltender. Are you surprised the goaltender market has been as quiet as it has been so far today? I mean, you look at the teams that have some really good quality yeah. backups. I mean, obviously, you know, Corey Schneider is going to cost, uh, uh, you know, uh, a mint to get Corey Schneider out of Vancouver. Anders Lindback in Nashville, even if, I mean, Josh Harding in Minnesota. Uh, a lot of good backups that are in the NHL that probably could be starting for a number of teams. No action on, on them at all in the last, you know, with 35 minutes or so to go here on trade well, deadline day. The, the NHL is a little bit of a copycat league, and I think what people saw... What happened in Boston with Tim Thomas, older goaltender, Tuka Rask, and they're they're just gradually working it into where Ta- uh, Rask is going to take over. Some of the you know the Vancouver situation is a little bit different. Um, you don't know. I mean, Vancouver. I mean, Calgary. Who is expecting Kippersoft to have the year that he was oh, going to have? The guy is you know forty years old. So I think you're either at groom your young guy with the veteran and then make and then make the switch, move your veteran, or it's wait till the summertime and move your young guy because you need him as a, as a back. You need him as a safety uh, catch just in case something happens from now till the playoffs. And look at it from Vancouver's perspective. Say they're offered picks for for Schneider. They can get picks in the summer. And what if Luongo goes down three games after the deadline? Yeah, sure, you're, go, you're going with Eddie Locke. Well, I mean, I'm saying I'm saying that the, the price is probably too high, and that could explain a lot a lot of it as to why it, uh, nothing has happened with those. Uh, and the risk reward is it's such high risk for the Canucks to do that at this point, unless the return is a big time roster player. Even so, you've their, their values actually will go down by the time the draft rolls around. Yeah. So that's exactly why teams are, some teams probably aren't out there trying to grab that guy right now. So I think Schneider only has a year left on his deal, and then he's a UFA after this after next season. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and well, he's that's a restricted free agent this year. But, right? Yeah. So that still you can blow them out of the water; they can't match it. That's also true. And now they lose him for nothing. That's right. So. right. Well, that's the exact situation because yeah. you know they can't match it really with yeah. paying Luongo you know, an arm and a leg. Yeah, and for, the, for ten years, so <laughs> only only another ten years, it's a bargain. <laughs> That's the problem with those. Uh, I mean, the long term deals. I mean, how much do you think that the uncertainty around the CBA is is handcuffing teams today? Oh, I think it's playing a big role. I think it really is. I think that you know probably a situation like Nash might have been one that. No, it obviously it's do you have the as, uh, the right. assets to trade for them? But then you're going and well, we're stuck with this seven and a half million dollar contract. So, uh, the top end guys. Are, although there's not a lot of the motor, I think that it does play into it a little bit here. Absolutely. I mean, you see the, the guys moving today, for the most part, short-term deals, or younger guys who you have control of. Yeah. But there's no huge contracts moving here. Or even unless if you, The only time you'll see the huge contracts, I think, today will be huge contract for huge contract. You know, they say contract for contract because you're not going to give up a problem without taking one back. Yeah. So I don't think you can make a deal in the NHL nowadays without that. And there were some teams that really got burned on the last lockout, that they came out of the, out of the lockout, and they were just... 
caught up against the cap and they were in big trouble. Well, you look at New Jersey. I mean, we talk about Lou Lamarillo and how he managed the cap uh, right after the after the last uh, lockout, and it's only really taken until until this year for him to sort of recover and get the Devils back on a, on the right track. He just a lot uh, of it, cap problems. Yeah, yeah, they had a lot of cap problems. They, they made some a, they made some bad contracts. You know, they and Gilney, they had Holik. Yeah, uh, they, had, they had send they had to send the guys down or whatever. And that's then, right. Yeah, it was uh, it was a mess. It was messy, and then you know they give out a couple other ones. Probably want back though. Do you a couple of those that you want would want back? And yeah, you're right. Drew's finally putting it you know behind him now. Which is surprising because if you picked any any GM to have been the most proficient with the cap before it was instituted, it would have been him. I mean, because right. he manages their finances so so well when there was a no cap system. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. I believe we're going to be joined by Dennis Bayak and Brian Munns coming up in the the one thirty at the bottom of the hour. We're going to hear from Dennis Bayak and Brian Munns. They're at MTS Center. They were there for practice, uh, not trade deadline related. But, you know, when uh, Jets fans of our generation, I mean, you know, Scott, I'm sure you can appreciate this. You know, Nikolai Habibulin's back in Winnipeg today, not going to be playing for the Oilers. But, you know, how much, you know, it's sort of gone overlooked. You're going to jinx traded in the next five minutes. Well, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Dan. I don't think he'll be traded in the next five minutes. But sort of overlooked about how important Nikolai Habibulin was to that last Jets team. And, you know, it's sort of a... Not upsetting, obviously, but unfortunate that he's not going to be able to get the reception that I think he deserves from the fans at MTS Center tonight. Yeah, you know, Drew, he, uh, I think the fans, just for his play, love him, but I think it's also allowing the, you know, when they left in 96 to save that game five. Yeah. So the fans could actually say goodbye in a home rink. I think that's the most, most oh, of all. Certainly. What do you, yeah. How many saves did they have? In 56 or 56 something. 56 or yeah. something in, in Detroit. So, I mean, you get them back, uh, you know, exactly. I mean, if it wasn't for that remarkable performance standing on his head, the fans really wouldn't have had a chance. Yeah. Remember, the last image of the Jets would have been, I believe that game four that was in Winnipeg was sort of an ugly scene. Yeah, Remember, good. the Jets fell behind. And I think the fans started throwing, littering the ice a little bit. I'm trying to go back in my uh, in my memories, if I'm not mistaken, but you know it was for, because of him that they got to do that. Yeah. You know the the ovation at the last game. A little bit unfortunate that we won't get to see Nikolai Habibulin in the lineup for the Winnipeg or for the Edmonton Oilers rather today at MTS Center. Jets Oilers gets underway at 7:30 here on TSN 1290. Rick Ralph in the official Winnipeg Jets pregame show at 6:30. Both teams short, both teams short of defensemen tonight. Gilbert well, out, Gilbert out, Nodia out. Except uh, Flood will step right in for the Jets. Oh, yeah, no, I know. I'm just saying from the Yeah, from the act of roof. I'm not sure if, if Klitsam or um, Schultz, I guess Schultz, I'm not sure if Minnie's at home, but it's not that far of a flight. Maybe one of them will be here in time. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know how easy it is to get from uh, Columbus to Winnipeg. You and uh, uh, you, you can speak about that you know, a lot easier. Flight. But you know what? Usually what you do, it depends what, obviously, uh, Chevy and uh, what uh, Steve Tambley want to do. Usually what you do is you tell the player, it depends what your schedule is, you tell the player to jump on a plane, come play. And then we'll send you back a couple of days from now. Most of the time, players want to play right away. Sure. They want to get up here. So okay. whether or not the flights work out or not, uh, that's, that's a question. Aaron Portsline on Twitter says, Situation behind the scenes between the Blue Jackets and Rick Nash has turned frantic as suitors are making a late push. 32 minutes to go until trade deadline. You're listening to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, a special edition live on TSN 1290. Welcome back. To the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, trade deadline day in the NHL, about 26, 24 minutes, somewhere around there to go until the deals have to be in into NHL headquarters. It's also Winnipeg Jets game day. Jets Oilers underway at 7.30 tonight on TSN 1290. Rick Ralph in the official Winnipeg Jets pregame show at 6.30. We have some audio from the game day skate. I believe we're going to start with Evander Kane. 
If we can, here's Evander Kane talking prior to uh, just after Jets game day skate. Evander, the homestand continuing here tonight against the Edmonton Oilers. It's obviously a, a much different day than what we're used to just uh, getting ready for a game with all the deadline talk here today. What's it like for you and your teammates? Well, it's something that, uh, you know, kind of takes over a day like this where, you know, there's the center of attention is all the trade talk, but uh, at the same time, we have to be focused and ready to go for, uh, you know, big two points uh, against Edmonton, and um, I think most of the guys are focused on that uh, heading into tonight. Does it throw the focus off, guys? You know, everybody says hockey players are creatures of habit, but there's a little wrinkle here today. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, uh, you know, I've, I haven't been in it uh, personally, but, you know, I guess if your name's getting thrown around there, it's probably in the back of your mind and um but at the same time i think we're all professionals and we all know know that uh, you know there's a bigger task at hand here thinking you're pretty safe but uh, there could be a couple other guys that uh, maybe move in maybe move out if they don't i think you like the group that uh, you have inside the room here don't you definitely i think uh you know our group has been playing some really good hockey the last uh, five or six games and i think uh you know we've shown that uh you know if we play the way we can uh you know we're, we're a tough team to beat uh, on any given night and we need to continue to play like that the rest of the year in order to make the playoffs let's talk about the game briefly here edmonton's a one-off this evening you don't see them again after tonight there's obviously a lot of hype and excitement with the young players they have on their squad. Yeah, they're uh, you know a pretty highly skilled offensive team with uh, you know a lot of young guys, guys that are around my age. And uh, you look at Eberle and, and what he's done this year, and guys like Hall and Nugent Hopkins. Uh, you know they carry a big part of the offensive world for that group. So um, it's going to be a fun game, and uh, you know I'm really looking forward to tonight. Appreciate this. Thanks for it. Best of luck. Thanks very much, Munzi. Evander Kane talking to Brian Munz earlier today, just after the Jets game day skate. They play the Oilers at 7.30 tonight here on TSN 1290. Randy Jones is another guy that we had the opportunity to speak to. Here's Randy Jones from earlier today at MTS Center. Randy, game day skate just coming to conclusion here for your Jets as you look forward to the Edmonton Oilers here tonight, but obviously the talk around the hockey world has been the trade deadline coming up later today. What's it like for you and your teammates here as you're going through all this today? Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't, I uh, can't speak for my teammates, but personally, I, I don't worry about it. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do. Uh, we have a game tonight, and as of right now, everyone in here is a Jet. And, um, you know, we, we, need to, we need to worry about our, ourselves and about getting wins, and, and that's what I'm doing. Is it a distraction at all? You know, you come off the ice usually, and there's probably half the members of the media that are in the room surrounding us right now compared to what we usually have on a daily basis. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's a distraction. Um, I don't want to say it's an annoyance either, but... Um, you can. You know, it's, well, it's kind of leaning towards uh, uh, that side. But um, it's just, it's, you know, there's nothing you can do. And, and so, you know, and, and people want comments and people ask questions. It's, you know, it's out of my control. It's out of our control. And, and um, you know, say it's a distraction. I, I'd like to say no. Um, you know, I've been through these before. And, and you know, the feelings you have, you know, the expectations um, you have going into it. So, um, to me, it's not a distraction. Um, you know, it's just another day. We have a game tonight, and I'm worried about that. Let's talk about that game. You've had success on this homestand so far. The five games you've played, you've picked up at least a single point at all of them. And right now, you've got yourselves a playoff team. Yeah. Um, you know, just like we've been doing all year, at the, you know, we've been... Playing, uh, playing some good hockey at home, and, um, you know, we have to continue that tonight. Um, you know, these fans are obviously, um, you know, it's a cliche, but the, they're a huge support, and, and um, you know, they're big out there for us. And, and um, you know, the 17 team, they're, they're a young team. they got a lot of speed, a lot of skill up front, and, 
and uh, we're going to have our best effort tonight. We can't have a relapse just because, uh, you know, that we were content and, and not just content, but happy with our performance against St. Louis. We knew they were a top team, but we know that Edmonton um, can win some games, and, and we need uh, we need our best effort tonight. It is a one-off against the Oilers here tonight. What is it like to prepare for them, and I guess even St. Louis in your last game compared to all these Eastern Conference teams that you've become accustomed to playing against? Well, yeah, I mean, you don't uh, you're not very familiar with the, the, the West teams, obviously, because you don't play them as much. But um, you know, we understand coming in that, that St. Louis is one of the top teams over there and it was a good contest for us and, and um, you know same as here tonight and, and you know 17 team they just coming off a loss but uh, you know they're playing great hockey and, and um, you know like I said earlier they have a lot of offensive uh, threat over there they got a lot of speed and, and we can't take them lightly just because uh, they're below us in the points. Thanks for doing this appreciate it best of luck tonight. Thanks very much no problem. Randy Jones guys joining us live inside the Jets room. Thanks Brian. Randy Jones and Brian Munns from earlier today at MTS Center were pleased to bring on the line now Dennis Bayak. Dennis good afternoon how are things over there good Drew how are you oh you know landing planes here like nobody's business yeah, <laughs> that's kind of day it is it's exciting though it's uh, a lot better than the alternative when uh, you know the, as it was early this morning when there was uh, very little going on well at least it's starting to pick up a little bit and I've been involved in uh, the other end of them when I was doing some television work for the score where one would happen uh, around 9.30, so you went on and thought, okay, here we go, and then you sat there for about three hours kind of twiddling your thumbs, uh, rehashing uh, one trade that has <laughs> happened uh, every which way you could ever imagine of doing it. But uh, it has picked up, but I'll tell you what, from all the rumblings that were out there, uh, there better be a lot of activity here in the final 23 or 24 minutes. Now, keep in mind, once the deadline rolls around at 2 o'clock, yeah. there still will be plenty of deals that will get announced uh, between 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock because all these trades uh, have to go through a trade call at the NHL office, so it does take a while for them to get finalized. And the NHL office works on a rotary phone, so it does take a little <laughs> bit longer there, of course. Uh, Dennis, uh, we talked about it earlier. Johnny Oduya off to Chicago for a second and third round pick in 2013. Uh, our consensus is is that Kevin Shoveldayoff did a very nice job in acquiring what he did for Johnny Oduya. I agree. I thought uh, if they could get a third-round pick uh, just because of the... And this isn't a knock on Johnny Oduya. This is just there's so many defensemen out there that are five, six-type guys that teams were willing to move. Uh, you look at Tampa, Gilroy got traded, Lee got traded. So there's been some defensemen who have switched teams. Uh, I, I thought if they could uh, muster up a third-round pick for Johnny Oduya, then I, I thought that was a pretty good trade for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, having said that, the offset of that a little bit is that it's not till 2013, but the talk out there amongst a lot of the scouts is that the 2012 draft is not as deep as what 2013 is going to be. So uh, that might have been uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff's thinking a little bit too. We'll probably uh, hear from him a little bit later in the afternoon, and he might be able to uh, shed a little bit more light on that. But uh, you know what? They pick up uh, Grant Plitzem, and they move Johnny Oduya. Are they done? Uh, time will tell, I guess, whether or not uh, they still have a bit of a backlog on the back end, and uh, we'll see what Kevin Sheveldayoff does before the uh, deadline hits. Dennis, what's the environment like around the team after the deal? Well, you know what? We haven't uh, seen the players because they were all gone. And uh, But Johnny Oduya was gracious this morning. Uh, I think he would be the first one to tell you that uh, in the back of his mind, uh, he had a pretty good idea that uh, there was a real good chance his morning skate with the Winnipeg Jets this morning was going to be his last as a member of the Winnipeg Jets. And then once it uh, was out there, 
that uh, Grant Klitsam was uh, picked up by the Jets. You know, I, I think Oduya saw the writing on the wall. And uh, But you know what? Their skate was over. All the players headed home. And uh, the interesting part uh, will be, will Johnny Oduya come back to the rink this afternoon to address the media, to pick up his stuff? We'll find out about that. But uh, for all we know, uh, he may have had an inkling that something was going on, and he may have taken uh, his skates and, and some of the other necessities that uh, he needed to take. He may have taken those with him after this morning's skate, but that's just speculation. He's on the phone right now with uh, TSN, actually, so uh, you know I'm sure we'll get that audio very shortly here on TSN 1290. Yes. But Johnny Oduya is on the phone with TSN, the uh, new, uh, new Chicago Blackhawk, fifth, sixth round, uh, second and the third round pick going to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, you know, we have Scott Arneal in the studio also with us, Dennis, but uh, Grant Klitsam, what did, uh, you know, you've seen him play. You saw the Jets and the, uh, and the Blue Jackets earlier this year. What do you think of that acquisition for the well, Jets? Well, and I remember him from past years as well from his time. He's only, This is his second full year, I guess, even though last year he was kind of up and down a little bit, and then the first year he just had a taste of the National Hockey League. Uh, I would, uh, my recollection is a guy that's similar to what uh, Johnny Oduya is. Maybe a little more offensive pop, shoots the puck pretty good. But other than that, uh, you know, I think he's very reliable. The, the caveat here is that Coach Noel knows him from his days back in Columbus. And I think that's the benefit here. And uh, I would think that uh, Claude Noel was very much in on this uh, discussion leading up to this and uh, probably had quite a bit of say in them picking up Klitsam uh, off the waiver wire. Dennis, thanks very much. We'll hear from you later on. Uh, obviously, you'll be broadcasting the game on TSN Jets tonight. Jets-Oilers gets underway 7.30 tonight. Should be an entertaining contest. It should be. You know what? You look at this Oilers team, uh, this will be a good test for the Jets. And already the questions are being asked, are the Jets looking beyond this game to Florida on Thursday? I don't think that's the case. There's too much on their minds uh, with, with trade deadline day and the game tonight. But you're right. This should be a good one when you look at some of the speed the Oilers will bring to the game. There you go, Dennis Bayak. You'll have the game on TSN Jets. You can hear it also on TSN 1290 as Shane Knighty and Brian Munns will have the call. Puck drop 7.30, 6.30 with Rick Ralph in the official Winnipeg Jets pregame show. Let's go to break. When we come back on the other side, more trades, and you'll hear some audio from Nikolai Habibulin from earlier today. You're listening to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show live on TSN 1290. Welcome back. The clock is Ticking 13 minutes to go until you, you uh, for teams to get their deals in to the NHL head office. They'll be processed. They'll leak out a little bit after 2 o'clock, but about another 12, 13 minutes to go here on TSN 1290 until the gong sounds ending trade deadline day 2012. At Winnipeg Jets 2011, he tweets at Illegal Curve. I'm surprised Oduya went to Chicago. I had him pegged as more of a Boston pizza kind of guy. Seems to be, if you know anything about me, you would know I would uh, favorite the uh, pizza-related tweets. So just like at uh, Hemi Power did, at Winnipeg Jets 2011, we'll get a Tim Hortons gift card. They are fueling us here on tra- trade deadline day, so we'll be in touch with at Winnipeg Jets 2011. That and the two sandwiches you've had. Well, I, I, you know, I, what do you expect? Two, there's a gigantic platter of sandwiches here. You expect me not to eat them? I told Chris before we came on the air that you'd have at least two. <laughs> So you're making predictions, as he's making predictions, they're all at my expense. That's okay. No worries. Anyways, 12 minutes to go, 12, 11, 12 minutes to go here. You expecting anything else significant to come down, or you think that... Yeah, uh, no, I, I absolutely still am expecting things. There's certain teams who haven't acquired... I mean, I know Boston's expecting Peverly back, but if Horton's on the, on the shelf for a while and Peverly's not there, their right side needs help if they want to make a long run. I was expecting them to add a right winger. Um, and a puck-moving defenseman if they could, although they can, I guess, ride with Corvo. I don't know how much they want to do that. 
Um, Vancouver again with that defenseman. And I mean, some teams are, are, are standing pat, but there's a couple of guys that you thought would get dealt maybe from the Islanders, whether they're going to sell. And I guess Moen stay in Montreal. I know he wanted to stay in Montreal, but are the Leafs going to do anything? There's still a lot of teams. Buffalo hasn't done anything. I mean, I know it's going to be hard to move Brad Boys in that deal, but you know, Gostad and Roy was rumored, and there's a lot of useful players out there. I'm surprised at the inactivity up to this point. Yeah, I actually thought there would be a few more. Some of those teams that are right close, uh, maybe making one last shot, uh, maybe bringing some players at the end here to make a run. But, uh, you know, maybe they can't find the partner to dance with. Yeah. That's, well, that, that's always what it takes. I mean, it's easy enough for us to say what you need, but you have to find a willing partner who's, you know, with 10 minutes to go, and, you know, a guy like Paul Gostad, sounds like Buffalo's been wanting a first-round pick for him. Are they are they dropping what they're asking now if, if there's been no action, or are they just willing to you know play it out? Well, I think that, uh, yeah, some teams will be dropping as they get closer to the deadline. I think that, uh, uh, like we said, if you don't get anything for them now, you're not going to get anything for them come That's summertime. Right. So you might as well see what you can get, and they'll, they'll wait right till the very end, and they may have a couple of teams on the line and then finally just say, okay, we're taking this. Were you you were with, I mean, you know Gostad from your Buffalo, uh, your time as an assistant coach in Buffalo, so what does he bring to the table for a potential, you know, as a rental, because he is a UFA uh, yeah. after the season? Yeah, and a lot like... Uh, a lot like uh, Sammy Paulson, he's a third-line shutdown centerman. Uh, a lot more, a lot more of a physical game to him. Uh, tougher kid, uh, good on face-offs. Uh, great leader. Uh, you know, he's a, he's uh, an assistant captain in Vancouver. He's a, excuse me, assistant captain in Buffalo. He was a captain in Rochester when I was there. Um, real good kid, real good, solid person. So, um, you know, I think that uh, you know any team you would think would want to grab a player like that. They're you know, I know that uh, he got hurt a little bit the other night in the fight against the Rangers, so I don't. That's not anything to do with it. But um, he's a good player that uh, certainly can help a team. Steve Ott from the Dallas Stars. You know, a lot of chatter about him as being a guy that a lot of teams would be looking for. No, no word on anything happening with him. You still expect him to to go somewhere in the next uh, eight nine minutes? Uh, I think the price is very very high for him, and uh, you know it's going to have a first round pick in it and maybe a player too. So. Um, I would still think there is, that would be the one. If anybody's going to go down to the wire, he'd be the guy that would be going down there. Um, you know, I'm sure that Joe Noondike is making sure that uh, if he has to deal him, he's under contract, he's not a UFA, so uh, if he doesn't make this deal now, it's not going to hurt them. Yeah, you know, Steve Ott, they put him on the market. They put him on a thin market. Sure. And what they're doing is that that raises his value. Well, they're seeing if it can raise his value. Um, if there was a bunch of other forwards available, we wouldn't be talking about Steve Ott right now. Right. So I don't. I don't think that fans should let it cloud their judgment. This is a guy who's going to make. You know, he can. He can contribute. He can score 15 goals. He can be a rugged guy. He can, you know, cause trouble and get everybody hating him and all that stuff. And he can move around. But at the same time. You know, is he going to put you over the edge? Yeah, I think the conversation, and not that I was in the room, but Joe Noondike and, and, and Ott, I'm sure, was, this is what we want for you. And, you know, he's probably saying, well, if I can have a chance to play somewhere, I understand what you guys are trying to do. But Joe has also told him, this is what we want for you. So if we don't get it, don't be upset and don't be surprised that you're still here with us next week or this week. So, um, And I think they both have, a, you know, they have a good relationship. And I think that, you know, I'm sure that's been put across to them. Is honesty with a player, first and foremost, the way to go? It's the best way to work. It's the best way to work in any business. But in hockey, that is the best way to uh, approach any kind of player. You want the most from players, and, and you want to be a general manager that's well-respected or a coach or anything. If you can be straight and forward and up front uh, and there's no side dealings, uh, that's when uh, 
good, you know, good positive things come from the organization, not just for that that situation, but down the road when you're trying to attract those free agents. Do you think that, you know, with Jeff Carter having been, you know, I mean, you would know about this. You had Jeff Carter at the beginning of the year. He was supposedly told by the Flyers he wasn't going anywhere, and then a week later he was in Columbus. You know, does the baggage of that, you know, betrayal, for lack of a better word, still, uh, was, was he carrying that baggage throughout the, uh, this season? Uh, or was there t- more? Touchy subject. I okay. Mean, uh, it, it it was in him. Yeah, it was still. He had a lot of frustration. I would say that he was very very frustrated by it, and I don't think ever got comfortable. Yeah, and and and, and voice that you know at the beginning without speaking it took him a while to speak to the media and things like that. And these guys are human, whether or not you know other things. Yeah, well. Uh, I, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. We'll leave it at that for that one. Uh, about but you know, six but minutes to go. I want to quickly get in, get in here. I Kay. think there aren't enough teams. I think too many teams must think they're buyers right now because you know you need the buyers and sellers to match up. And I know there's quote unquote more buyers and sellers, but I'm wondering why. I mean, if you're eighth, ninth, or tenth, I mean, what do you expect to do? I mean, if you're, for example, some people may think the Rangers are ripe for an upset. I mean, you still have to go through. I don't agree, but you have to go through Lundqvist. I still actually, by the way, think the Rangers could have a nice defense when they're to, to round out their young core. So you have Del Zotto, and you have Sour Herbie, you have Del Zotto, McDonough, Stahl, Girardi. You wouldn't mind a veteran there, just kind of ease and, and and just add some depth if you want to make a run. If they're, you know, but are you going to make a run to the Stanley Cup? And isn't that the end goal to try and win the cup? And if not, then we should try. A team should try and get some assets for these guys, especially pending UFAs. I mean, you see these pending UFAs here. Why aren't why? Like, if you're the Islanders and you can get Evgeny, you know, well, stop right there. You're 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 using logic, and you should just stop doing that immediately <laughs> with the Islanders. But if you're Evgeny Nabokov, okay. I mean, there's going to be other goalies available. And he looked good when we saw him a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. There's going to be other goalies available in the offseason. You can get a nice pick from, from Toronto or from whoever it may be. Don't you want to add it to get more depth? Like, that should be a guy who should be moved. And I I, I just, there's certain guys here where I wonder why. I mean, they might still move. Well, I think what? it's because e- it's easier as a general manager in some of these cities to sell your fans on standing pat than it is on selling. Oh, we're only four points away. We believe in this roster. We're going to jump over three teams, and we're going to be there. They might not be confident enough. I mean, Steve Eiserman's the exception because, I mean, or is an exception because of you know how much power and, and how well well respected he is. But if you're some of these other general managers who are on you know fringe teams, tenth, eleventh, or whatever, you know where, where the you know the uh, playoffs are sort of still in sight. We'll wait on know, that. Well, speaking of the Islanders, we'll wait on that one. We'll get Rick in here in a second. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's what's one, that's one of the guys. They, uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But in terms of, in terms of the island, in terms of the Islanders, Drew, there's other guys there too. I mean, you know, guys like Jersina, Steos. I mean, they're not exactly the most fleet of foot, right-handed, you know, defenseman kind of rugged guys. But maybe somebody wants Adam as a seventh guy and good in the room. You know, you can throw those guys. You can throw Steos in there. He's great in the room. He's gonna work his butt off. He's gonna block shots and just. Well, do the Islanders. I mean, you, you never know what the Islanders are gonna do. That's what, that's been the problem with the organization for uh, for how long? You know that you just never, you have never have any idea how they're going to handle things. But there's a lot of teams that are just close enough to the but playoffs also, the that they might not be able to sell selling to their fan base. Maybe I mean, thought Chicago might want to add a center there and, and allow those guys to play the natural wing, Nashville again as a forward. I, I think still think there's going to be a lot of action here. Well, you, you only got four minutes to go according to the TSN uh, countdown clock. Four minutes or and eight, seven, six, five seconds. So I mean, you're, there's not a lot of time left for these deals to get in. Uh, to the uh, to the NHL and then to to get released. We can talk. I mean, we'll talk about. Are we up against the break here? Uh, we're a couple minutes still. Okay. Well, in terms of the Jets, I mean, they have a couple guys who are pending UFAs, and I mean, now you're in that again. You're in that spot. And I know it's close to home, but you're in the spot where you're eight, nine, ten. Mm-hmm. 
and I mean, let's let's we have to get rid of. And I know they play Florida on Thursday, but they're two points behind Florida with Florida having three games in hand. Florida's still got, uh, very much in the driver's seat for the Southeast Division lead. Right, and so the question then is, you're competing as Toronto seems to be falling apart. Washington not playing great, but has won the last two, and then all, both with two games in hand on the Jets, and then you have the Jets there. So the question is. What's well, a long-term goal? And can a guy like Jimmy Slater if get a second or third-round pick? And if that's the case, I know that hurts the line. But if you're not, gonna, if you're going to let him go in the off-season, don't you want to get something for him? Well, I, I know people don't want to see. I know close to home. I know the GST, GST line, blah blah blah. I know blah. you don't want to see breaking up and a guy like Kyle. If one of these guys can get you somebody, I mean, uh, you know what? I think that Winnipeg's too close to make that move. Well, that's I, I think it's just to me that that's one that, especially for a forward like that, that you've got stability and you've no. got a guy that's. We just saw Sammy Paulson get traded, and we talked about Gossett. Those guys are the guys that teams are after right now, and mm-hmm. to me, that's a guy that if you're going to get in the playoffs, he's a guy that's going to help you get there. And Scott, the thing is, when we had talked about it a couple of weeks ago, Jimmy Slater would be a guy trying to resign first yeah. and foremost yeah. because and he's not he's not going to be real expensive. No, yeah, so. but I guess just for, just from my perspective, I think it was two weeks ago. Try and resign the guy, but if he's going to tell you he wants more than you think he's worth, then yeah. it's a question. And the one thing that, it's you know, and you don't know if there's conversation happening right now with right. the agent, but know. the other thing, too, is that he's going to look at, I have a, you know, I've got a job as a third-line center. Right. I don't want to run a team. I'm being rewarded for it. Why would I run away to somewhere it may not be the same situation? Correct. Uh, we're getting word now of a ninth trade as the uh, deadline nearing here about three minutes away. And, of course, there will be some trades that will come out announced after the deadline passes. The latest is the Islanders sending Brian Rolston to Boston. So the Bruins getting in on the mix. Uh, Peter Shirelli was in the office early this morning and planning to make a move. We haven't heard yet what's going back the other way, but Brian Rolston is on his way to Boston. Breaking trade news as it happens. Brought to you in part by Santa Lucia Pizza. Would have been if they could have got Paulson and Wilson, they could have traded Ray Bork back. <laughs> Re- you know, reincarnate the trade of 2001 right. there. I think Boston jumped the gun there because Rolson was on waivers and they were probably looking at other teams lower than them in the standings. So they just probably they just probably dumped the pick. We'll find out what the, they gave up for Brian Rolston coming up shortly. The deadline is upon us. Another one minute, 17 seconds. You're listening to Trade Deadline Day on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show on TSN 1290.